Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, Adam. Thanks for being here today. Great to be here, Tricia. All the way from sunny Trinidad. All the way from sunny Trinidad. You get, you got it. It's a beautiful sunny day today. Nice. Why don't we just jump right in and tell us what genre you write in? Sure. I'm primarily a science fiction writer. I've, you know, I, I like your, most other writers, I've had, I have this and that out there for other genres. I've written a couple of Sherlock Holmes stories, but my main focus is my Cassidy Chronicles series. Right now there are five novels in it with a sixth one scheduled for publication in February. Oh, fun, exciting. Why don't you just give us a general overview of the Cassidy Chronicles and maybe a little bit of a synopsis of each book. Okay, <laughs> a little bit of a synopsis of a, of a hundred thousand word book. Right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so the Cassidy Chronicles, it's set in a, in a near future America, um, or I should say near future North America because America as we know it has disintegrated. There's a dozen squabbling countries, and the action starts in the Sonoran Republic, uh, which consists of the former states of Arizona and New Mexico. And it starts actually at a wedding. Uh, Ayana, Kendra, and Derek are getting married, and the Reverend pulls out a gun and tries to kill Ayana. So they take off running, and the rest of the first volume is them trying to figure out why, who hired this person, uh, what, you know, why do they want her dead? And um, so all sorts of secrets are revealed. There's all sorts of betrayal and it's action-packed from start to finish along with enough twists and turns to make any mountain road jealous. <laughs> um, the second book picks up five years later. We're now in the year 2118. Um, Ayana and Kendra, and you'll hear me refer to them also as Cass and Ken. Ayana's nickname from childhood has been Cass, and Kendra just gets shortened down to Ken. Um, Cass and Ken are working on their dreams. They're raising their daughters. And basically, they just want to, you know, they want to live their lives. And they are approached by the United Earth government, which says, um, we've got a little problem. In 20 years, three quarters of the population is going to be dead. Can you help us out? So what are they going to say? They're not going to say no. Uh, but it drags them into, into a position of conflict with the Artemis colony, which is the lunar colony, and the other three colonies on up, out in the solar system. Um, in the third book, The Measure of Humanity, so the, the conflict is continuing 
and Artemis has dug into Kendra's past and discovered something that she, she didn't even know. I mean, this goes back to before she was born. And the resolution to this is either going to change the world or destroy her dream, one or the other. Uh, in A Quiet Revolution, they are continuing to move forward. They're still trying to fend off this legal challenge from Artemis and they decide, okay, well, if we can't, um, if, if we can't talk to these people, if we can't get them to at least acknowledge the validity of you know, what's going on and there's lots of room in the solar system for us all to live peacefully, fine, maybe we need to find different people to lead this country. So they're fomenting a revolution. And in the fifth one, Triumph's Ashes, the, the question there is what price are they willing to pay to keep their dream alive? Um, the dedication, there's a dedication in every book and the dedication in that one is to those who looked at death and decided the price was not too high. So. That's very cool. That's a great overview. And I'm assuming the science fiction is coming in by the fact that people are living on the moon as well as other planets, correct? Correct. I, I, it, it's hard to do this without spoilers. Um, <laughs> but one thing, so they, they're on the cusp of uh, faster than light technology. They're on the cusp of building starships and getting out and exploring, you know, interstellar space and not just interplanetary space. So that's also, you know, that's also the science fiction behind it. Um, and also what Ayana was working on in the first book, uh, which I will not tell you. Uh, Gotta have some mystery left. Well, definitely, um, we don't want any spoilers. <laughs> no, no spoilers. So, um, yeah, that that's where the science fiction comes in. You know, it, it's you've got the whole the whole space opera thing, the whole okay, there's this conflict going on, and it and it, it erupts into open warfare. You know, it's not just behind the scenes; it's not just covert and espionage. But it's out and out, okay, space battles and, you know. Uh, but you also have the exploration side of it because during all of this, Kendra's dream is to get humanity out into the stars, get humanity off of the earth, out of the system and exploring. And so she's pushing that just as hard, if not harder than she is trying to deal with this conflict that she never, you know, she never looked for, she never sought out. She wants no part of, she just wants to end it and move on. So she's pushing the, sec the exploration. And so they get out there to the stars and discover all sorts of fun things. It sounds very much like con the movie Contacts and Interstellar and some of those very cool movies. Um, to, to a degree, uh, it, it's more, it's more human centric. 
you know, contact uh, is very much a, okay, there are really advanced aliens out there and we just have to figure out how to decipher the message that they're sending us. Um, I haven't seen Interstellar. I've read a few, the synopsis a couple of times. Um, but again, you know, Interstellar is, you know, there are very advanced aliens out there and, you know, we've got to figure out what they're trying to tell us. Um, in these five books, they haven't run into any advanced aliens, you know, who are trying to give us some sort of message. Um, now, I'm not saying that that won't happen somewhere down the line. It's an awfully big galaxy, but it hasn't happened yet. Very cool. And are you writing through first person or third person? It depends on the book. Uh, these five books are all written third person. Um, be, and I bounce back and forth between, you know, here and there and scenes. So, and it gets more and more complex the further in the series you get. Uh, so by the end of the third, by the end of the fifth book, the beginning of each chapter is telling you not only you know, the chapter number, but it's telling you where it's happening and the date it's happening so that the reader can keep track of, okay, where am I? <laughs> Was I on, am I on the moon or, no, I'm I'm in Earth orbit. Okay, <laughs> um, so those are written in third person. The one I just finished writing for NaNoWriMo, um, which is currently sitting on the to be edited pile, uh, that's also written in third person. It doesn't involve the main characters very much. It's sort of a branch on the Cassidy Chronicles, and the one that's coming out in February is written in the first person, but it's written from Kendra's point of view. And actually, uh, when people get to see the cover for it, it is written by Kendra Cassidy, edited by Adam Gaffin. Oh, very uh, it's cool. Her memories, it's her memories of her childhood with Ayanna. They grew up together. They've known each other. They were born three weeks apart. They've known each other basically since they could open their eyes and see each other. Um, and so yeah, it's a first person, um, not quite coming of age because it's only a, it only covers a few years. Uh, there will be more at, as she tells them as she tells me the stories. Um, and it was a lot of fun to write or edit. Edit. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun, and because it's them as kids, and so. That's an entirely different perspective than writing about them as adults. Right, I can imagine. And it's interesting that you write mostly female characters. Do you think that's challenging? As I'm the one who's writing them, I don't think it's particularly challenging. Um, it, it's it's come fairly naturally, and the people who I have read them and the people who wrote left reviews have said I've, I've pretty I've gotten the tone down pretty well that the they are true to people's expectations so it's not it doesn't sound clunky which is a good thing I you know okay you know I'll, I'll take it 
Definitely. That's a high compliment. I know when yeah, I yeah. write characters, even characters of like a different race or a different background for me, I always make sure and have them checked out with my friends who are of that race or of that background. So I'm not messing anything up, I guess. <laughs> there is there is a degree of that. Um, you know, I, I try to have my beta readers from as broad a base as I can get. So I get as many different perspectives as I can. Um, and, and there, there is a qualitative difference and a quantitative difference between writing contemporary fiction and writing science fiction. Because when you write science fiction, you can, you're freed a little bit from the constraints of reality. Yeah, because it's set sometime in the future, whether it's 100 years or 100,000 years, it's set sometime in the future. And so how people are, you know, just consider how people are now versus people how, versus how people were in 1921. You know, and the, the roles of, you know, various you know, genders and, you know, socioeconomic groups now and then, you know, there's a huge gulf in between them. Right. That so, really makes you know, hundred years from that. now, hundred years from now, there's going to be a, an equally sweeping difference between where we are now and where we could be then. So anything is possible. That's yeah, that's definitely interesting. I hadn't thought of that aspect of like societal change and change in like how people, their personalities and how they may act. So that's definitely interesting. Um, would you call these books like hard sci-fi or are they more like adventure sci-fi? I, I like to think of them as hard sci-fi. I haven't had anybody um, call me out yet that's saying, oh, that's impossible, you know, beyond the, you know, certain tropes, you know, the faster than light, which at this point is not possible. Um, depending on who you talk to, they might say it is impossible, but, you know, there might be a loophole. Um, so I, I would like to say that they're hard science fiction. I try to dig into it and at least come up with a plausible starting point. Um, and then again, I've got to extrapolate a little bit, you know, to get beyond where we are now to where we might be in a hundred years. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, I have a dystopian novel. It's a YA dystopian novel, but it's post climate change where the whole United, the whole Southern part of the United States is too hot to live on so it's pushed everybody north and you know kind of eerily it's also post-pandemic I wrote it in 2019 so it was a little bit predictive but um yeah so it's killed like two-thirds of the earth's population it's pushed everybody north so we I, you, the United North States is what I called my country that became Canada and the U.S. formed one United North States so that's interesting that you have that um the country breaking off into different States as it, or countries as it were, would be. 
Yeah, that's actually something I salvaged from a project I started 30 years ago. Uh, you know, I started positing, okay, what happens if, you know, this, you know, this group breaks off and that group and, you know, the, the divide is simply too much. Um, and I started, uh, been inspired actually by Robert Heinlein. Uh, Heinlein's my favorite author. And I was inspired by his future history. And so I was like, gee, I wonder if I could do that. So I started trying to figure out a future history from where I stood because he wrote his future history back in the 40s. So uh, by now, but you know, by actually by the year 2000, we were supposed to have already gone through what he termed the crazy years. Um, so I, I was starting from a later point, and so I tried to figure out what might happen. So one of the things that I salvaged from that was this map of the United States all divided up, and that served as the geographical framework for the first volume. Um, so it didn't have any names on it. So had to fill that in. So you have the New Confederacy and you have the Republic of Texas and the um, Big Sky Country. You have the Northern Imperium, uh, Empire of New York. And there's still the United States. It's kind of made out of the leftover bits, the parts that didn't break away. And it's scattered across the entire continent. Interesting. Yeah, we were just having a dinner conversation this weekend about empires and how long they last and how our United States empire is nearing the end of that cycle. And I don't know, that makes me anxious to think about that. So I just don't think about it too much. Well, you know, the, the thing is what I, and again, what this is my own version of a future history is a lot of the, the breakups, because it's not a dystopian novel, okay? A lot of people think, okay, you know, the United States breaks up, therefore it must be a dystopian novel. Not necessarily, I mean, it, it's a gradual process. I have it taking place starting uh, actually this year, so I'm already wrong about it. Um, <laughs> uh, science fiction author, you gotta learn to be wrong. Um, so it starts taking place this year, but the final pieces don't break off for another 60 years. So, and it's all happening a little bit at a time. And what happens when there are conflicts? Well, the rest of the, the rest of the planet goes on as it, you know, as it normally does. And if you're living a thousand miles away from whatever's going on, life is probably continuing pretty much normal for you. And if, if you're one of the countries, you know, it's partway through the process of disintegrating and you're living in a country that is not participating in this current little border war, this current little war of secession, um, it doesn't affect you at all. I mean, you're like Switzerland, just like, yeah, whatever, they're over there, they can fight. So you have technological and sociological and economic progress still continuing, you know, here and there, and moving forward, and the ones that were in the war, you know, at the end of the war, they rebuild and they catch up and 
So it, it, it continues rather than this, you know, the, the Mad Max desert wasteland kind of, you know, kind of chaos. Right. Very cool. Very interesting. Tell me about your background here. For my listeners, um, he has a background in, he told me beforehand, these are some characters. So he's going to tell me a bit more about his characters and the life they take on. Right. So uh, the main characters are Ayana and Kendra. And Ayana is the one who's directly behind me. Uh, she is a physicist. And absolutely brilliant. Genius. Genius. You know, went to you know, did the whole MIT thing, has a PhD in uh, optical physics. Um, Kendra was her best friend growing up and she didn't go to college. She went out West and got into movies, the Senses, and, you know, they were separated for 13 years after high school um, before getting back together. <clears throat> but the, the image is of the two of them, it's their, it's their Christmas card. And down underneath, you can't see, it says, uh, we survived another year, which I found you know, quite appropriate for them because by the time I'm writing these, you know, the, the four books in the second part of the series, <coughs> survival was not guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I, I try to pull them out into reality. I and mean, this is a postcard that I can send out to readers. You know, it, I'm happy to send it out. You know, Christmas greetings from Ayana and Kendra. Um, Kendra is out in the world. Okay, she she really she really took on the primary role in the series. It's not that Ion is not important. Uh, she is the instigator of the entire series. Um, but Kendra Kendra had to grow up more. So her character development has pushed her to the forefront of the series. And so she's the one who's the voice in my head the most. Um, and so, like I said, she has the, the book coming out, the, the memories of Ayana. Um, she has her own email. She has a Facebook account. She has an Instagram account. Uh, she, um, she puts out a newsletter every couple of weeks. Right now, she's telling the story about her first, eh, her training um, with the company called Outlook. Uh, Outlook was an extra legal company that specialized in couriers. You know, if, you, if the package absolutely positively had to get there, you hire Outlook and they give it to a courier and they get the package there no matter what. You know, whether it's they go deep undercover or they blast their way through, the package gets there. Um, and so she's telling this, this story in her newsletter that goes out to my subscribers 
Um, yeah, she's just, she's a vibrant character. She's got lots of stories to tell. So I, I'm not going to limit her presence in the world to just when I put out a book. That's very cool. I, that seems like readers would just love that extra information from the characters they love. They they did a, uh, Cass and Ken did it, did, did an interview for a blog that just came out the other day. Um, they sat down with the, the writer of the blog and they asked questions and Cass and Ken answered them. So. Very cool, very cool, yeah, I, I love that. I might write, the, I, I, I might be the author, I might be the one writing down the words, but it's my characters' stories. It's their lives. So, you know, they ought to be able to tell it. Yeah, I love character-driven books and I definitely strive to do that in my work as well. Can you tell me what you love or what you hope that your readers experience or get from reading your books? Well, you know, every author wants their readers to enjoy the books. We want, the, we want you to like what you read, okay? We want to entertain you, absolutely, 100%. Um, I also want you to think a little bit you know, I, I don't, I don't shove the, the, the deep moral questions, you know, in your face, but there is a question in every book. The first one is, what are you going to do for your family? You know, what do you do to, to find and protect your family? Um, they both answer that. Uh, second one is, how do you deal with new responsibilities? The third one is dealing with, you know, dealing with secrets. Uh, fourth one, you know, what are you going to do to change things? And like I said about the fifth one, how, what are you willing to pay to keep your dream alive? And, and so the, they all have a theme. They all have a, an underlying question. But somebody can read the book and just be entertained. I'm perfectly happy with that. You know, you read my book and you're entertained. Great. Awesome. And what age group are your readers? Are these made for strictly for adults or could a high school kid pick them up and read them? Oh, absolutely. A, a high school kid would, you know, be able to dive right into one of these and uh, chew it right up. The first one, especially um, <clears throat> Cassidy Chronicles volume one is, it's a very fast paced book. It, my books are largely dialogue driven uh, rather than long stretches of exposition. I love Tolkien. I took a class on Tolkien in college. Um, but, you know, 20 pages of exposition and one word and one line of dialogue, it's awfully hard to get through, you know. So my, um, the first one, like I said, it's very, it, it's, it's an adventure. Yes, it's science fiction, it, you know, and it is hard science fiction, but it is, is an adventure. It's a whodunit. Um, there's betray, betrayal and espionage and mystery and 
you know, just cross country, you know, there's a cross country chase trying to figure out what's going on. Very cool. How did you get into writing? Are, do you have a science background or do you have a literary background? Or both? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I have particularly a science background. I, I've, you know, I've, I've read plenty of science. Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing that got me into writing is the fact that I read a lot. And the more you read, the more, I think, your brain starts saying, well, what if, and, and you start going down a different path than the one the author created. Um, or you get to the point where you say, okay, well, that was cool. Uh, where's the next one? You know, where's the, you know, what happened next? And the author may have just said, you know, oh, no, it's just, here, here's a book. It's, you know, right here, this by this, there's your story. Yeah, but if you write a good book, if you write characters that engage with the reader, you want to know more about what happened to the characters because characters come to life. If you have written a good book, your characters are alive in the minds of the people who read them. Um, and so you, you do that long enough as a reader and you start saying, okay, I want to write, you know, I want to write the rest of this story. I mean, you look at all the fan fiction that, that that's out there. Um, somewhere down in a, in a filing cabinet somewhere, I have, oh, I'd say about a half inch, maybe three quarters of an inch of typed manuscript pages of a Star Trek novel that I started writing, yeah, about 30 years ago. Wow. Um, and, you know, and every so often I go back and look at it and it, it's okay, it's not bad, but it, it was, it was the, okay, here's a universe, here are characters that I, here are characters I love, I want to write a story about them. You know, it's not that far to go from here are somebody else's characters to here are my own characters. Neat. And where do you see the series going? Do you have an ending that you're thinking of or will it just keep going? So the, the first five books are what I call, the first book is sort of a prequel now because it's set five years before anything else happens. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The, the next four books are the Artemis War. And at the end of that, Kendra has established her Terran Federation. Uh, she has incorporated some of the from some of the planetary governments that had been opposing her are now wrapped into the Terran Federation, and things are ready to go forward. So from this point. There are lots of directions I can take this. I intend to explore as many of them as I can. Um, the, the one, the novel I have sitting in my to be edited pile 
is, a, like I said, a branch on the Cassidy Chronicles, and it's set a couple of years later, and it's taking the crew of this massive ship, you know, it's four kilometers long and two kilometers wide. Yeah, it's, it, it's big. It's got 4,000 people aboard. And the idea is it goes out, it's self-sufficient. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a floating city. It's a flying city, essentially. It goes out on these deep space, long endurance missions and just goes and explores and goes to see what's out there. And so, you know, that could go on for I don't know how long. I, I have an idea. I already have an idea for the next book in that branch. Uh, so I'll start writing that in a little while. Very cool. And did you say your fifth book is already out? So the series is sort of complete or it's coming out very soon? The fifth book is out, uh, came out in August. Um, and so that you can read those five books and it will feel complete, but there are so many characters in there. I mean, by the end of it, I, from the third book on, I put a cast of characters in, in the back, um, just so people can, you know, see who all is in it and, it's also a way for me to give back to my fans because most of the people in the back of the book uh, have let me borrow their names. These are real people, people that I know who I've interacted with, uh, who have said, yeah, sure, go ahead, use my name. Absolutely. So, but, it, but by the time of the fifth book, uh, yeah, there's probably 10 or 12 pages of cast of characters in there and so, and some of them had these fantastic stories that I just barely scraped the surface of. So, and, and the beautiful thing about science fiction is that you can write any genre in science fiction. Okay. You know, uh, the, the example I love is Isaac Asimov. Okay, he wrote The Caves of Steel, which was the first Elijah Bailey novel. It's a science fiction novel because it's set, oh, I don't know, several, at least several hundred years in the future um, when the population of Earth has moved into these underground cities, the caves of steel. Um, and we've all, you know, and there are 50 colonies out there which have all gotten, gained their independence. Uh, the robots are a part of everyday life, but it's a murder mystery. Okay, it is a murder mystery. You could take, you could strip away the science fiction elements and drop that into New York City and it, and it would still work. So you can write any kind of genre you want to in science fiction. So if I felt, you know, if I felt like writing a murder mystery, you know, based in the Cassidy verse, I could. Um, so there, and, and you know, I'm looking forward to exploring, you know, where I can go with it. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of more great books to come from you. I certainly hope so. That that's the plan. I don't have a, I don't have a end plan 
in mind. I don't have a capstone work in mind. So they ought to be coming out for a while. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your books, your characters, and yourself with us. And thank you for being here. Hey, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today. Take care, Adam. You too. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.